episode 36. Wow. Am I, am I ready to learn about a new sport? I have no idea anything about, but we have an exciting guest. She's an accomplished skeleton athlete. She has two silver World Cup medals, 2016, 2017, two bronze World Cup medals, 2015 and 2021, a silver World Cup mixed team competition, the World Championship. She recently finished eighth at the 2018 Olympics. Am I absolutely excited to be here today, Miss Jane Channel? Hello, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> wow, well, thank you for taking the time. So first off, I just want to ask, so if you bobsled, you're a bobsledder. If you lose, you're a loser. Like, are you a skeletoner? Is that? Um, no one really knows what we should be calling ourselves. Um, <laughs> we've heard, I don't know. We like to call, sometimes call ourselves like skeletors. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, there is no right or wrong answer. I don't think to that. Because <laughs> I, I was trying to come up with something and like, describing to to people who were having on I'm like yeah she's a skeleton athlete I'm like I can't come up with anything to extend it that sounds like comfortable I feel like that's what we usually call ourselves (laughs) (laughs) no problem (laughs) so you've had kind of like a a diverse athletic background uh you you played softball and you ran track at SFU how did that how'd you end up going into skeleton um honestly it was being in the right place at the right time um back uh, i was watching the 2002 salt lake city olympics with my grandpa and a couple of sleds zoomed by on tv and he looked at me with this this like disgruntled face and was like they're crazy and so that kind of as inception and planted the seed so to speak and then um you're right I was a sprinter um at Simon Fraser and so uh the blocks was the strongest part of my my race I'd always be out in front then everyone would always catch me but um my skeleton it worked out really well because that's essentially the same action that we do at the start and so um the transition into skeleton was um really smooth because of it and so um I knew I wasn't done sports after graduating and so I moved to Whistler in the fall of 2011 without ever having tried tried it before and said this is what I'm going to do so were you have you been like a big adrenaline junkie is that what what kind of stood out to you or was it kind of just uh, it's a sport that you thought that you could find a lot of success in um neither to be quite honest um just I wasn't ready to be done with with sport with a competition I didn't know what I wanted to do after graduating university and with having the Vancouver 2010 Olympics in my backyard having those legacy venues there and available um like seeing John Montgomery with his beer picture of beer walking down Whistler Lane and um just again being in the right place at the right time everything just kind of came together with that thought of why not and so you you went to some bobsled camps as well right yeah and uh what what uh was it just that bobsled you didn't think bobsled was a good fit or i i'm assuming that they were probably going to say like you're gonna have to put on a whole bunch of weight yes (laughs) yeah so i'd i'd gone out and tried um 
because I emailed Bobsleigh Canada Skeleton um, in whenever it was like 2009 leading into the games and um, Bobsleigh was the one that got back to me and so I was invited out to a development camp. Um, I did really well, um, well enough to be invited back to the national team camp where I was pushing alongside the Olympians that went to 2010. And so um, they did tell me to come back 30 pounds heavier after that first camp. And I tried, I tried really hard. (laughs) I ate everything, (laughs) (laughs) everything and anything. And um, I did put on some weight, but it wasn't good weight and it wasn't enough. And they wanted me to move up to Calgary um, with, with only having what, like the one and a half, two years left of university with the chance of maybe forerunning um, the 2010 Olympics. And so the, it didn't weigh out properly. The cons outweighed the, uh, the pros in this case. And so I just said, thanks, but no thanks. And um, decided to just finish off school and then pursue skeleton. So, and then, so you said finishing off school. So you graduate, you graduated in 2011 and then you said you moved straight to Whistler to just dive into skeleton. Um, what was the lead up to, to making that decision to just go all in? Honestly, (laughs) um, I, I don't actually know. Um, it was, I, again, I just was kind of a lost soul, a bit of a lost puppy after graduating just with, I honestly don't remember what was going through my head at that point in time. (laughs) Um, If it was, yeah, I I honestly don't remember. Um, I know I had, me and my buddy from, who was also on the track team who graduated at the same time, we both wanted to go and give it a go. And so um, we had been up a few times to try and find a place to try and find jobs. Um, but it was just kind of a bit of a whirlwind. I, I honestly don't remember what was going on (laughs) or what really (laughs) sparked that, um, that thought process, but it was just kind of like a, I don't know if you would call it a calling or, or what, but it, it was like the only thing that made sense in my mind. So like, I'm guessing that was a super easy, like it it was an easy decision to just be like, I'm going to bet on myself. Like I know I have the ability. When I went up, it wasn't as if the Olympics, I mean, the Olympics obviously were our goal for anyone who's starting an Olympic sport. Um, You'd be lying if you weren't, but it wasn't as if I was going up with a mission. It was just, a step. And I guess it was almost like, it was very naive of me to be moving up there without ever having tried it. Like who does that? (laughs) Thinking back about it. (laughs) Um, it, yeah, it was just like step one. And then I was going to figure out step two when I got there. And then, so like, we've, we've had athletes who've said, obviously like Kelsey Mitchell was like, four years. Like I, I wanted to go to the next Olympics and the rugby guys have been like Harry Jones specifically was just, I want to go to the Olympics. I don't care how long it takes. So like, did you have a, obviously you, you had a, I would, I would guess you had an aim for the Olympics. Did you 
always see 2018 as if you were going, that's, that's when it was going to be. Yeah, definitely. Like I, I knew that, um, I mean, starting, uh, starting in what, 2011, the 2014 Olympics were just way out of reach. There was no way. And so, um, I was really fortunate though. I got to actually travel and compete with, um, John Montgomery and Melissa Hollingsworth and, um, a few of them from that era. And it was really, really cool to be able to, um, get to slide alongside, I guess the big names, the, I guess my, my role models, my, my idols, I guess, from when I first started, that was incredible. And so just kind of seeing them and their process and like the stresses and pressures that they were feeling, um, leading into the 2014 games, um, was, was really interesting. It was, um, I learned a lot from them. And so, um, the 2018 Olympics were then hundred percent what I was aiming for after, um, after seeing them and retiring from the sports. And so that opened up, um, a few spots, um, on the world cup team, which, um, I then jumped onto and took advantage of. I I can only imagine what that would have been like getting to train with, with, I mean, especially John and, and after 2010, it was that kind of a, I know you've picked up the, uh, the nickname legacy baby. Was that, was that kind of when that started? Um, no, that kind of started leading into, um, the Pyeongchang Olympics. And when I, when I made the Olympic team, that's when it kind of, um, was, I guess, officially given to me just because I was one of the first, um, I guess, outcomes of the Vancouver 2010 games. And so having the legacy facilities and everything, it just kind of came to be. And so, um, yeah, I wasn't expecting that, that nickname. And so I feel really proud and humble to have that, um, be given to me. And then, uh, so 2014, 15, you made your, uh, your debut on the world cup circuit. Um, what was it, what was your feeling when you got to take your first run? Actually, fun fact, my first world cup was the 2013, 14 season. Um, it was out in, <laughs> No one really knows that. Excellent. <laughs> no one knows that. It was um, like the last World Cup of the season out in Konegzi. And um, those that had been named to the Olympics were skipping out on this race. And so it opened up spots and openings. And I had never been to Europe before. I'd never been to this track before. And it's Konegzi is a tricky track. It's, it is and always will be just because of the Kreisel and how it's a blind exit. Um, and so... I had no idea what I was doing, <laughs> like what I was getting myself into. And so, um, it ended up being a snow race, like a one heat race. And I don't even remember where I placed, but that was just kind of like a, a taste as to what was next to come. Um, and I was really excited for that. All right. And then, so in your first full season, it actually wasn't year, the full um, season either. <laughs> I, <laughs> oh for two oh for two that's, that's a dash okay. i won't i won't hold that against you but that's okay <laughs> i did the first half so of the, the icc circuit and then i jumped on to the world cup circuit i flip-flopped with a teammate there i had seen that you joined the second half but you saying that you had raced in 2013-14 started to make me question my sources <laughs> all good no problem <laughs> <laughs> So this was one of the more interesting things that I'd seen, and I'm assuming it's the same for you, but 
you hit a broom during that season. Yes, the broom. I was waiting for this to come up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, what's what's that like? I'm assuming like that would kind of rattle you a um, little bit. Yeah. Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, it was a snow race, and luckily we were in Eagles, Austria, which is one of the slowest tracks in the world, and it's it's one of the ones that's easy to get down. It's hard to be fast, and so if there was a track out there where you'd want to hit something, it would be Eagles right at the start. And so it was a snow race. And so there were sweepers um, in the track sweeping the snow out because that track is also not very covered. Um, And so to make it a fair race, they sweep. But when I had the green light to go, there was this uh, gentleman fellow in the track still sweeping. And I was kind of pointing to him and then they just told me to go. So I went and he had stepped out of the track. Um, but I guess the broom had slipped out of his hands or he dropped it or whatever. And so um, it happened to fall right as I was passing. And uh, yeah, I hit it. <laughs> I mean, like, luck. I would think that's pretty lucky that it's right at the start if it's going to happen at all. Because I, I can't imagine hitting it if it's a slower track, I guess, obviously you're not going to hit the top speed that you usually would, but if you're hitting it at top speed, that could be pretty bad. Yeah, actually there was, um, it was so ridiculous this past year, there was another girl that uh, hit a broom on that same track, but further down the track. And like the, the sound of the, I woke up to, to like to tweets or messages or something like, Oh, like, Jane is another member of the broom club. And I'm like, what is happening? Like, what are they talking about? And so I went and like looked and um, her name is Katie Tannenbaum and she slides for the Virgin Islands and she had hit a broom that had, I guess, blown into the track. And just the sound of like the broom hitting her helmet, just that like thunk sound was just like, I knew she was okay, but it was just like, no, like that shouldn't happen. Like why? Why is it both broom runs on the same track? Like clearly something needs to be fixed or safety protocols need to be adjusted because they got lucky that both of us were okay. But like third time's a charm, like who's going to be a third? (laughs) I don't want to be a third. So (laughs) like they need to fix something just even if it's as simple as no equipment left alone on the track side, like something just to ensure the safety of the athletes going down the track. For sure. And I mean, like they're not small brooms either. Like <laughs> no. it, it, it's, it's got like, I can't imagine you. I, I honestly can't think of how you just leave a broom in there. I mean, I've seen clips of like a paper fan being dropped in there and it's like, okay, it's white paper on a white track. Like maybe you missed that, but it's a big wooden broom. Yeah. Like it's, I don't know. I don't know. Like that, that year, actually, um, Laura Dees from the UK, Great Britain, she hit like a paper fan going down in Altenburg. Um, and then earlier that year when we were in St. Moritz, I'd hit a stick actually in, um, in that track as well. And I got a rerun and then it was like the broom and like, like that year was like the most items hit in, in sliding, I think. And I hope that nothing tops that but <laughs> yeah so 
So then, like, what ha- do you get? A, you get a choice of a rerun. Yeah. Anytime you hit an object. Yeah. So if there, if there's a foreign object in the track, you get the choice to redo your run. And so in the case of the broom run, um, in hindsight, I should not have gone again because it was snowing. The track was getting slower. It 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 wasn't a bad run actually going down the track. So <laughs> that's why I was roasted on bar down that's why it was on like tsn's <laughs> worst place of the month worst place of the year like because my broom free run like my redo was slower than my my broom run and so <laughs> yeah so i mean hindsight should not have gone again um and same words when i hit the stick and i did the rerun it, it did pay off so i was kind of hoping for that kind of situation but it didn't pan out so much <laughs> I feel like if you have the ability to hit a broom and produce a faster run than a run without hitting a broom, you should just get the better of the two. Yeah, you'd think, but <laughs> <laughs> I wish we'll just say that. <laughs> All right. And then, so I, I want to talk about your first full season. I'm third time of the charm, 2015, 16. Uh, you started with seven straight top 10 finishes and five of those were top six. Um, you were ranked third in the world and all this was while you were dealing with a hamstring injury. I think so. I forgot about that part, but yeah, I think I tore my hamstring in the summer, um, that year. And so it was just lingering. Um, but yeah, I I guess I forgot about that, that detail. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the years kind of blend together i'm sorry <laughs> forget about the detail that just makes it so much more impressive <laughs> thank you <laughs> um like were you just were you just in the zone at the start of that year like what what was going on because that was an incredible run thank you yeah i uh yeah i was just in a groove and once you once you find your rhythm, once you find the flow with, um, with your equipment, with you driving with your equipment and, um, it's, it's always a really good feeling to just slide and have fun. And I know that year, just because it was the first full season on world cup, um, I was just having fun and that's why I got into the sport. That's why I love the sport because it's fun. It's fun to go fast. And, the years after that, um, I put pressure on myself. And so the year after that was just horrendous. Oh gosh. And so, um, I'm really trying to get back into that same mindset. Actually, that was, um, some, a lot of the mental work that COVID has given me the the time to do is, um, that mental work that, um, to just whatever happens happens, but I'm going out to slide because it's fun. And I feel like when I was out in Europe uh, these last couple of weeks, um, that's what I felt. I felt like I was having fun and getting out um, in Whistler preseason, I guess, back in November, December. I was out sliding with um, the new development crew, um, the, the snipers, they're, they're called. And it was just so much fun to be out there sliding again with athletes that are out learning that are having fun and just a completely different atmosphere. And it's, 
it's so refreshing. And so I was really bringing that into, um, into this year that, and having that momentum with just getting back to the basics because it's fun. <laughs> so you said, like that was before you started putting pressure on yourself. So you were that athlete that everybody had to look out for. And they're like, Oh, there's, there's not a whole bunch of expectations on Jane. Like that's the most dangerous athlete that there is, is the one with no expectations. Who's out there just having fun. hundred percent. Yeah. It like at that point when, when there are no expectations, when you don't have that pressure on yourself, like you're, you're sliding, we call it like you're sliding free. Um, like you're just dancing with the track and it's, you're just letting it fly. And it's something that every slider is striving towards. And it's, it's really hard to get into that rhythm, to get into that, that motion. And so when you do find it, you're, you do everything you can to kind of protect that, that momentum and to try and keep it going forward. And then I know you said that you kind of forgot about the torn hamstring, but I I still have to ask because I mean, I tore mine, I could barely walk. So this is incredible to me how how are you able to deal with the injury while while going through a season um we were lucky I like I kind of think if we had a physio that season um usually we have access to physios or will the the federation will send a physio or therapist out with us and so working closely with them um obviously helps that process with with the healing like the healing of it or like the maintenance of it just to try and keep it somewhat healthy enough but um, as well with skeleton, when we're pushing like bent over with our sleds, there is a lot of strain, um, on your body just because it is such an unnatural motion, like who runs like that, but as well, <laughs> you're, you're not getting into that upright running motion, that sprinting motion where, um, in the past, like I thought it was like the third time I've blown my hamstring and it's so stupid. And so <laughs> it's, it, I've been all too used to that, that feeling before. And so it's just being smart about it and listening to your body um, and knowing what your limits are and, and trusting that instinct, that gut feeling. And then, so you, you finished third at Winterberg that year and then second at Park City. Um, what did it feel like to, to get the stand on that, on the podium? Um, it was incredible. The one in, um, the one in Winterberg, I, I think I was crying like an absolute baby. Like I just wasn't <laughs> expecting it. And it was just, like it was just so surreal that um like at the world champs the year before that I had placed uh fourth by 0. 0.06 seconds next to my teammate there missing the podium and so um I knew I could do it but it was a matter of putting all the pieces together and so um like I would I was notorious for having like one really bad run or one really good run or vice versa and so just being able to put those two good runs together was a big confidence booster and a stepping stone for to think that I can do this. I can compete with the best of them. Like I should be here. And that, that kind of self-doubt um, was something I really struggle with and still do. So it's, it was a really important um, big milestone for me. So you said like the fourth place finish for your 0. 0.06 out, obviously having a background in track, you're, you're used to like the small differences, but like coming that close, does that kind of just, do you leave that event just kind of annoyed and it's like, oh, I was that close. Like, how do you deal with that? Um, I think track has taught me well with that, 
like it is what it is. Like you can't change the past. Um, could you have pushed faster? Yes. Could you have cleaned up that run? Yes. Could you have polished your, anyway, there's so many variables, but at the end of the day, like in that moment, in that time, you were the best that you could be. You have, and every time I, it's really important for me to walk onto the line, the start line thinking with that mindset of I've done everything I possibly could. I have no regrets right now. And so that idea or thought of looking back at the what ifs, it doesn't even occur to me because I know going into that moment that that's it. Like I've done everything I possibly could. That's, that's probably a, that, that's a really healthy way to approach that. And I, I think a lot of people can learn from that. I mean, I, that, and that's where it, where it comes from track is like, I've beat myself up so many times thinking like, what if, what if this, what if that, if I powered through this or made one more step here, whatever. And if you, for me with track as well, like if I ever focused on running a certain time, like running that qualifying time for nationals or whatever it may be, I was never, ever going to run that because it was, it's an outcome. You can't control outcomes. You can only control your process. And so as long as you're following your process and fully trusting it, the outcome will fall how it will. And there's nothing more you can do. Yeah, no, the, uh, the what if game is a, <laughs> is a very dangerous one to play. It is it's a very, <laughs> very deep rabbit hole there. Yeah, it is definitely. <laughs> and then, so talking about the like envisioning results in track, um, I know there's been lots of the, there, there's been videos about like, uh, imagining success and imagery that's come out with I think it's the bobsled team and remembering the curves on certain tracks is that a legitimate practice for people in skeleton too oh yeah yeah so like whenever you you go back to a track or you're going to a new track like you need to know which ways the corners go like you don't have that time to like when you're driving like the corners are big and swooping you can really see ahead but with skeleton you're head first with your face an inch off the ice you can barely see six feet in front of you um you have to know you have to trust the track trust your lines trust your feel of the ice and the track and so we do a lot of visualizations a lot of our the virtual range you'll see the bobsled pilots like steering through the corners or whatever they're doing with skeleton we don't steer like that so it doesn't make sense for us to visualize like that and so um we'll me, I will mostly just visualize um, at home or in the hotel, wherever, but I'll be lying on my sled like a sleeping turtle and <laughs> just going through the runs, um, visualizing all the what ifs. If, if I enter the corner late or incorrectly, how do I fix it? If I go in perfect, what do I do? Don't have a party and celebrate. There's another corner coming at you. <laughs> and so it's, yeah, we definitely do have to know the track maps and, um, visualize um it's 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 super important for us as well so I've, that's something i've always wondered when you're visualizing that stuff you don't always visualize it going perfectly like you visualizing maybe screwing up a turn a little bit and how you're going to correct correct that yeah like i i mean i don't know if that's proper <laughs> that's something i do though <laughs> and so um it's something i i don't know done by habit i don't no, I mean, but I'll, I'll always emphasize and always finish visualizing on 
the positive runs, like the, the successful outcomes, like successful processes. And so, um, yeah, I don't know if that's like, I don't know if that's normal, actually, now that you say that, but <laughs> I do it. <laughs> I mean, I'd probably say it's, it keeps you a little bit more grounded. It's a little bit more realistic. So when, like, if that actually happens, then it doesn't completely rattle you mentally. And it's like, okay, I visualize this. I know how I can correct myself. Yeah, exactly. I think like if, and that's just it, like, especially with skeleton, because we're always riding that that fine line of in control versus out of control. And so if, if you know, and ahead of time, if you're expecting that, that kind of that fast line is that crazy line, it can go 50, 50, you'll either make it or you won't. And so therefore, when you don't make it, how are you not going to panic? How are you going to react to fix it just enough to get back online? So I think it makes sense. I would definitely say it makes sense to me <laughs> and that um so 2017 I'm gonna guess this was a, a special year for you you won silver at the world cup in Whistler um was that kind of the uh like a full circle moment obviously John Montgomery was a big um inspiration to you so going down the track winning silver was it kind of like this it's all it's all come around yeah um that was honestly a huge huge moment for me that was my favorite um favorite race by far ever in my career um that year that season before was just rock bottom it was not good and so there like I was having a lot of um like self-confidence like self-doubts like like I don't deserve to be here thoughts and so like, and why am I doing this? And so that moment was huge. And my, my family was there and just getting to share that, um, that success and that moment with them was just so special. Um, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I can only imagine what that would feel like and especially being, yeah, like on, on home turf. Yeah, it was, it was just such a like I remember it exactly it was a bluebird day um and just I felt good and I hadn't felt that in a long time I felt at home I mean it was home let's be real but um (laughs) just that that feeling of like that feeling of competing at home um it's your your safe zone and so you know already that regardless of the outcome, like your family is always going to be there. Like they're going to be there to support you and love you. So I had that feeling going into the race and, um, it was just so it was, that was a big turning point for me for that season going into the Olympics, um, to have that momentum, to have that feeling again, um, that I was meant to be there, that I am good enough to compete on the world cup circuit. You said leading into the Olympics, um, you entered the Olympics in 2018 and come out with a 10th place finish. Uh, what, what was that experience like at the Olympics? Um, honestly, I, like anyone going into the Olympics, like you're going in with that mentality of you're going to win a medal. And so I had so much pressure. I put so much pressure on myself that I was an absolute disaster. So I, I journaled when I was there and I went back and was looking through my journal the other day, actually. And 
good God, every day I was writing. Today was awful. I was crying so hard. There was one day I wrote where my eyes were so swollen and puffy. And I remember that day just, they were so swollen. I couldn't even open them. It was ridiculous. And so I had a, a chat with my sports like, um, and he just helped put everything into perspective. He helped me. And then like, after that, it was just a 180. Um, like what was going to happen was going to happen. And I could only try my best. And that's, that was enough and that was okay. And so I can only control what I can control. And so my goals turned from winning a medal and coming top, whatever, to actual achievable goals that I knew I could achieve on my own without comparing myself to anyone else. And so it turned from like placings as a goal to um, splits and within the track. And so the start is um, the one of the strongest parts of my race. And so therefore, I knew I could control that aspect of the race. And so my goal went to being having the fastest starts in all four heats. And so and then my driving abilities and everything else down the track was going to happen. Um, and so I was able to achieve that goal of having those four fastest start times. And so that combined with, um, some other, some other stuff that was, was going on and everything. And I, I was actually really happy with how the Olympics went. Um, I feel like sure things could have been better. Sure. Things could have been faster, but again, that's all the what if that we're getting caught up in. And so um, it, it is a, it's actually super interesting chatting with um, some of my teammates that were there at the same time, like how we had completely different experiences. And so it, it is what you make it. And so um, I'm so glad I had that conversation with my sports like to be able to take that pressure off of myself and to kind of just put things back into perspective. And I mean, our team, when we were there, none of us had been to the Olympics before we were all rookies. And so we had no idea what we were getting ourselves into. And now moving into working towards the Beijing 2022 Olympics, um, seeing how everything happens and knowing, um, what kind of like juicy equipment people bring out. It's, I feel more prepared um, going into this next Olympic year, um, to try and qualify. And I like what you said, and like, it is what you make it. And I think there's, there's a lot of athletes that go to the Olympics with these huge expectations on themselves. And like, maybe, maybe they don't meet them and they end up kind of ruining the whole Olympic experience. Like we're not, not only their competition, but getting to enjoy everything else that's going on. So were you able to to enjoy Olympic life in the village and kind of interact with some of the other sports and the other athletes? Yeah. Like it was, we, we got there really early because skeleton, we actually had training um, at the venue before opening ceremony. So we were there for a really long time, something like a week before it actually started. So we got, um, we were really fortunate to be able to kind of acclimatize and play all the fun like find the pin games and all of this stuff um, like before our events. And so we can get that out of our systems and, um, and everything. And so, um, yeah, it, it was a lot of fun. Like my, my family came out, like we didn't do a lot of traveling growing up. And so to be able to get them into Asia for the first time was, 
was so cool um, and so exciting. And uh, so to be able to share that experience with them um, was really special. It was really exciting. Was there uh, like a, a favorite event to go and watch when you weren't competing or favorite activity that you got you got to do with the family while you were over there? Um, honestly, like I so right after my event, um, I hung out with my family for the next few days and stuff. And, um, when I did go to the events, I went to, um, curling, I went to the women's hockey games, um, and to, I think it was, I think it was big air and everyone is just so impressive at their sport and that everyone is just so specialized. And so like, you can actually, this sounds really weird, but like with skeleton, if you're really good at your sport, we look like we're just lying there. You look like a sack of potatoes because you're, you know, exactly where to steer. You're just letting it run. And so therefore you're not, you're doing enough, just enough kind of thing. And so compared to say like hockey, when there's just, you can see the effort that they're putting into it and like curling, you can see the emotion behind when they're yelling, hurry hard kind of thing. And so it's just so different than, than skeleton. And I, I feel like I forgot about that. So seeing the best of the best competing in what they do was just phenomenal. It was so cool. I know. Like I get really into Olympic curling. Yeah. Like I I wanted to know, like, did you just, was it super intense in there? Like when there's a big shot coming or like the team has the anchor was like everybody just into it. Yeah. Well, because there's a, there's a couple games going on. And so if you're not watching, um, or if the other game beside it, uh, I don't even know if they're called, are they called game? That sounds really I think weird. it might be a match. Yeah. Okay. Match, okay. match makes so, sense. <laughs> when the other matches are going, um, if you're not, if, if you're not watching that one and there's a big play, um, then you're just, uh, Oh, like I missed it, but you can obviously still see the, the rocks moving. The and everything. And and everything, so, yeah. yeah. Which is like, it's cool in that sense that there's, there's a lot going on. And so you can, when um the skip i guess is throwing the last stone it's it is always exciting because it's like oh (laughs) what's gonna happen (laughs) but um yeah so i think curling was was a ton of fun to see and then as well like big air like that takes guts um i think skiing and snowboarding on its own down the bunny hill is crazy and so i can't imagine (laughs) doing that and then I also can't skate and so hockey as well figure skating like how do you ice dance on skates like I just can't dance either like so (laughs) anyways it's just so cool to see everyone um with all of these skills that I do not have um competing and for the Olympics for all these medals I think it's so cool yeah I I know when I'm watching it's uh usually in order of like the most intense is curling's up there usually more so just because like it's me and some buddies and we're drinking and watching curling and it's just <laughs> an incredible time and then um like i i love watching bobsled and skeleton and then uh speed skating i think speed skating gets super intense yeah that i wish i could have gone to see some of those races but the uh there were no tickets or extra tickets or anything like that to, to get in, to go see. Um, but that was one that I, I hope to be able to go watch, um, sometime in the future at an Olympics, wherever they may be. Um, and then I also think, um, the, 
I've also actually my my friends, my teammates that went to go watch said that the biathlon was so exciting, um, which so I, I want to go go see that as well. And I, I think it was just um, like when they were shooting and stuff and when just seeing them like just huffing it up the hill to finally like just full Zen mode to be able to shoot a target however far away is just ugh. anyways. Yeah crazy yeah i'm with you on that one jane i think i think biathlon is just absolutely incredible i'm taken away by it but uh, what were you gonna say why oh the the most defeated i've ever seen an athlete is if you see one of the world powers in biathlon miss a shot that's yeah. just never seen anybody more defeated just the look on their faces oh no <laughs> yeah and then doing that, the 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 little lap or little penalty and stuff is just, oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I wanted to kind of take a shift and talk about your um, kind of mental toughness and the, the mental ap- uh, aspect of the game. So you had talked about uh, experiencing a, a sports psych you'd mentioned and everything that entails with such a mentally focused game. But how do you go through the highs and the lows of skeleton? I mean, it's taken a long, obviously I'm still, it's the process. And so, um, I definitely do not have it finalized. It's not perfect, but I've, I feel like I've found, um, a process that works for me and it's, it's just kind of rolling with it. Like you got to know that training is just training. You don't have to win the training runs because they don't mean anything. And so, it's being able to prefer, um, sorry, it's being able to perform on demand in the races. And how do you get there? How do you get into that mindset? What do you need to get there? And perhaps what do you need versus what do your teammates need? And they're not going to align and that's okay. But it's having that self-awareness to be able to know that that's okay that you both need different things um, to allow yourselves to perform at your best. And so therefore it's allowing yourself to do what you have to do in order to perform. If that makes any sense. Yeah, no, I like that. I like that a lot. Um, One thing that I was, I really liked that you discussed was the the self doubt you had. I mean, everyone thinks they're the best, but you were openly expressing and how like sometimes you felt like you didn't belong was there ever a time where you, you overcame that or you had a certain run where you're like, okay, like now I'm here. Now I'm elite. I feel like that's every other week to be quite honest. <laughs> um, I feel like it's just always a roller coaster, especially with skeleton. Like we're usually at a different track each week. And so sometimes you really, really get along with the track and there's other tracks that you just, I just don't get along with and that's okay. And so it's just a matter of being able to, I guess, compartmentalize those aspects saying that just because you're, you had a bad run, you had a bad race. It doesn't mean you're a bad slider. It's, it's just that you've always struggled with this trap or perhaps you had the wrong equipment set up. But at the end of the day though, it's so important for me to, be able to acknowledge and take accountability for my actions and therefore my my skills as well in that if I had a bad race 
I'm human. I had a bad race. It's not, I'm not blaming it on anything else. It's me. It was me going down the track. And that's the beauty with the skeleton and why it also has parallels of track and field. It's like, it's you against the clock. And that's, that's something that, um, that actually really, um, (laughs) grinds my gears, I guess, is, um, when people don't take accountability for their actions. And so I feel like because it bugs me so much, I, own up to it more. No, oh, that's, I really like that. Um, I like the comparison you made between track and, and skeleton and how like, it's, it's what, like a 30 second experience. Like it's, like I have a hockey background, so we're, we're playing for an hour, right? It's yeah. skeleton is you have those 30 seconds or the 20, depending on your race. And then that's it. So it's like all the mental prep and everything goes into that. And it's, it's pretty impressive and astonishing that how uh, the sport functions and everything. Uh, yeah, there wasn't a question there, but I do have what I, <laughs> I want to discuss now. Um, so you had discussed like the zone, right? When you're, when you're racing, you get into the zone. Have you ever experienced anything else in your life that is like that zone? Um, yeah, like, I guess, I guess with, with track as well. Um, when I ran track, when I was a sprinter, I was, uh, I was notorious for, I don't know if you'd call it blacking out when when I'd run, but like, I obviously wouldn't black out. It would no, just I'm, be, I'm well aware. Of, yeah. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah. It would just be a matter of just like being in that subconscious. So you're not fighting whatever you're, you're thinking. And so, um, like whenever my coach, I remember in track, he would always say like at 50 meters, well, like what, why didn't you kick? It'd be like, I don't know. Like I can't, mm-hmm. I don't remember what happens when my gun goes off to the finish line. And so the skeleton that's very not ideal because you need to know what you did in the corners to fix it and to steer and stuff. So, um, but at the same time, it's that same kind of concept of how do you get into that? How do you tap into that subconscious and just let things flow? So you're not thinking, you're not overthinking and, um, you're not fighting your sled essentially. And so, um, that's also something I've worked really hard this summer with is like, how do you get into that mindset without forcing it? I guess. And so, um, yeah, I feel like it's a lot, a lot of mental practice. It's like skeleton is such a mental game. And so there's a huge chunk of it that is mental. So like, there's so many mind games that people play, um, with, with you, with each other, like you play on yourself, like you're your own worst enemy. And so how do you break that down to, become your biggest supporter, your biggest fan versus your enemy kind of thing. And so, um, it's hard. Like there is no recipe. There is no do a plus B plus C to get there. I wish there was, but there wasn't. And oh, so it's, absolutely. It's it was ma- that simple. Yeah, I know. Right. So it's a matter of just like trial and error and trying to figure out how can you tap into that? Um, how can you tap into that consistently? So no, that's, that's really well said. Um, last, last question before we jump to, uh, my personal, my personal favorite, the personal questions, but you, you consider yourself not an adrenaline junkie, but I mean, your sport is pretty adrenaline filled. And with that said, there is injury that is, uh, very likely, um, knowing how extreme your sport is, has that thought of, you know, I could get hurt here, or if I don't take a corner, well, I could fall off. Does that ever cross your mind at all? Um, 
for sure. Like you're, you're always thinking of the what ifs or the crashes that happen. I mean, we've all taken our fair share of hits and stuff. Um, but the feeling of getting that tricky corner, getting through that corner just outweighs that risk. It outweighs that, that, that moment of, of self-doubt, I guess, when you're going through those sections. And so like, you have to respect the track. You have to remain humble to it. Cause as soon as you're just nonchalant, walk up to it and just, I got this, it's going to come and bite you in the butt. And so, um, yeah, just kind of always knowing and having that respect for the track is, is so important. No, that's, that's perfect. So we'll, we'll jump to the the personal question. We'll do kind of like a rapid fire. Why we'll go first and then we'll, we'll kind of switch back and forth, but these, these will be the hardest questions you experience through this interview and, <laughs> and whatever the question is, just quick, simple answer. You don't have to give a thorough answer if you don't want to. Okay. Okay. So why, why we'll start with this one. Yeah. So th- this one's going to probably, it, it's going to be a longer one and it's one that I have interest in. Jack has interest in as a, as a hockey goalie, but, um, that the designs on your helmets, like the 2018 helmet that you wore, that might be one of the coolest helmets designs I've seen in any sport. So yeah, I think we're both (laughs) just interested to know like what goes, what goes into the designs. Um, this one was, uh, to pay tribute to where I'm from um and to show explicitly what what we do and so each olympics has a motto vancouver's motto was with glowing hearts which is a line from our national anthem and so it's a sternum chest where my heart should be i've got a maple leaf so it's as if i've got canada running through my veins oh that's um, so cool <laughs> yeah so that's that one that's nice is there um a design you have for the next one or you're just going to wait till see what the theme of the next olympics is I haven't honestly thought that far. Um, I never want to count my chickens before they hatch. And so fair, that's fair. <laughs> we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. <laughs> oh, absolutely. All right. And we always like to know uh, what, what is your favorite or your go-to movie while you're on the road traveling during competition? Honestly, I'm so bad at watching movies. I fall asleep in them all the time. So <laughs> I, I really don't watch a lot of movies. They're more just the TV shows that I can just watch. I'll stay awake and watch the cli- the quick clips of. <laughs> yeah. But Shit's Creek is definitely by far my like most favorite um, my favorite TV show out there. <laughs> all right, all right. Yeah, if, if there was a TV show like about your life, who would play you? Oh my gosh. Um, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Told you these uh, were going to be tough. <laughs> I know. That's fair. So it was hard. a fair warning. You did. You did give me fair warning. Um, pass. <laughs> pass. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> All right. I, uh, I don't know like what the pre skeleton race is, but uh, like, do you, are you listening to music before you go down? Yes. What's in your ear? Um, it changes a bit. Um, I really love this band from Iceland. I have no idea what they're saying, but I think that's why I like them so much. Um, they're called Sigur Ross. Um, love them. 
Um, but I also am crushing the killers. I okay. love the killers. So, um, yeah, which are two very polar opposite bands, but that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> Any specific song? Um, that's a secret. That's for okay. that's for me Ooh, to know. I like that. And, I like that. Uh, <laughs> so you can you can guess for how I'm bobbing around the track if you ever see it. <laughs> No, that's that's pretty cool. Um, is there? Uh, this will be the toughest one. Which do you feel you loved more, Bob? Uh, excuse me, skeleton or track? Um. Oh my gosh, you guys! There's <laughs> there's aspects that I like of each. Um, okay, how about this? If this one's easier, you can answer this one. Would you? Okay have the same would you rather have the same success in track as you have had in skeleton yes yes cool. yes um i think so because with yeah just yes yeah okay that's good that's good that's good enough i like that answer oh <laughs> uh, we love those questions the transition mid mid career yeah. transition to another sport we love throwing the well if you you could have gone this way. Yeah, you could have if know, you had that I, success. I, I wish. Yeah. <laughs> All right, and uh, where do you see yourself once you've decided to call it a career? Um, I'm currently working full time right now, so I would love to explore the options within the company that I'm working with. Um, there is definitely room to grow, so I would love that. Um, but I mean, I'm also open to coaching opportunities. I would love to be able to give back to whether it be the younger athletes or to go coach abroad. Um, but we'll see if, if anything comes to fruition with that as well. If I didn't compete or start skeleton out of university, I loved the weather. And so I think um, if there's an option to ever become like a weather girl, I think that'd be so fun. <laughs> But anyway, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> That's very out there. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> Different. <laughs> no, that's that's awesome. I have uh, nothing else from my perspective. I, unless why it wants to add anything else. I've got nothing. Just uh, thank you very much for for taking the time out and sitting down with us and and answering all our questions. You're, yeah, you're, you yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say, thank you guys for having me. It's been fun. <laughs> oh, you're you're now a member of also Team Canada, but the Moo Crew. So it's the Moo uh, Crew. The Moo Crew. Yeah. So you're a part of that now. So that's you can add that on your website, which I saw was absolutely incredible. It was pretty cool. But thank you for coming on. I'm so excited to learn more about the the skeleton industry and hearing your story. Cool. Yeah. Thank you guys for having me. It's been a blast. And uh, yeah. <laughs>